what up guys? Welcome to Faded Town, the number one Pokemon podcast in the world. These are your facts. Look that shit up in a book. Google it. Pokestats it. You guys know the spill. <laughs> um, I'm back with another one of these one-on-ones. And uh, I don't know if this is your guys' first time watching this. Uh, if you're on YouTube, definitely hit the subscribe button. Um, if you're not subscribed, like, what's wrong with you? Like, definitely, <laughs> like... What is going on? You got you got that coronavirus? Like, what's happening here? Come on, guys. Um, like I said, I really love this 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 format because I, I I want people to get to know these players or or these personalities in our community, and I, I think this gives them the best opportunity to voice whatever they want. Um, so, like always, we get the best guests, and it, it is different. Um, um, we got a regional champion. He just he just. Did runner up at uh, OCIC. Um, we got Zach Lesage or something, man. How's it going? Yo, what's up, everyone? <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's going pretty well. Yeah. Uh, finally, finally, uh, a little bit more relaxed and rested after Australia that week. Afterwards, um, yeah. destroyed me. Did you go to? I don't know. If it, uh, what was it? Collinsville? No, I actually okay. bowed out. Um, my original plan. Well, first off, that format sounds awful. Um, Unless you're uh, Justin Bokari, I-, I feel like everyone else is probably pissed off that they ended up going there. Um, Super Yeti Gaming always runs great events. Mm-hmm. Pokemon, great game. I- I'm not a huge fan of the expanded format. Most of the time, I'm specifically not a- excited about the format right now. But um, yeah, I can't. I was going to go to Puerto Rico, and then uh, I'm I'm always uh, late at booking flights and stuff like that. In this case, it worked out don't really have too much of a need for points right now. Not to sound like anything like that, but uh, the finish definitely got me got me a decent bit of points that I don't need to fight as hard as I had to before. Yeah, you're top 16 racing, right? You're... Yeah, so for top 16 going to Worlds, yeah. uh, currently I'm ranked 4th, I think. Oh, you're solid. Um, the math that I did shows that I have like around 100 CP more than what it's going to finish at. So. Oh, okay. Then you're we're, we're big chilling. It's... Uh, I, yeah, big chill. <laughs> the rest of the year is just fun, you know? Um, so let's kind of hop into it. How did this journey begin? Like, when, when did you get into Pokemon and, uh, and the cards specifically, you know? Okay, so um, I, I'm a 90s baby. Uh, I, I'm, like, old, old AF. I'm, I'm 28. <laughs> just turned 28 in February. So I, I, I've seen the whole Pokemon from where it began and to where it is now. Um, started off by really like watching the TV show as a kid. Um, obviously, my mom, we'd go to the store. I'd be like, yo, can I get some Pokemon cards? She'd be like, no. So every couple months, I'd get a pack here and there. Then like most kids that age, um, my interest kind of died as other things came out, like Yu-Gi-Oh! and stuff like that. Not that I ever played Yu-Gi-Oh!, but I collected a little bit of everything or video games or whatever, generally in that sphere of what Pokemon would bring. And I really got involved back into the game I think like around 2004, 2005, um, typical kid on the schoolyard, some kids were trading Pokemon. I'm like, whoa, this is still a thing. These cards are really cool. (laughs) Traded some, and I went to my local league at Gamer's Lair in Barrie, Ontario. From there, I found out a week week or a couple weeks out, there was a gym challenge. I know gym challenge isn't a tournament that we have anymore. Um, It's basically like a miniature regional championships where first place we get a paid trip to Worlds. Um, And I was actually able to win that tournament to win a paid trip to uh, Anaheim, California in 2006 Worlds. Really? So you're going straight from, like, not playing, and then you get into the game, you go to this tournament, and now you get to go to Worlds. 
That's yeah, it was one of those things where, like, uh, I think it was around Holon Phantoms era, something like that. I made this homebrewed Kinger deck, and uh, I was in the senior division back then. Okay. So it, I, I don't know how many rounds there were. I think it was, like, five rounds cut to a top four right. or something like that. And I was able to just, like, take down some of the other uh, better players in the area because they weren't expecting my deck. Mm-hmm. My deck, looking back and hop, like, it was horrible. Oh, <laughs> it was, like, Metagross GX, or Metagross Delta and Flygon Delta. And it just really worked in that moment. I don't think I could ever get it to work again like that. So, so how old were you then? It was like I, I must have been like, well, two thousand six. I would have been like twelve. So, you, so you're starting twelve. When do you did you go? You end up going to Worlds that year, yeah? No, I actually oh, didn't. Okay, see. Uh, so I, I had a unfor- I, I guess my parent. I guess there's no other better way to say it. <laughs> My parents are divorced. My mom did not really want my dad taking me out of the country. Okay. So my, my travel documents were destroyed oh, okay. um, uh, about a week before travel. Rough. So I was that sad boy who sat home at Worlds. Um, but it is what it is. Um, right. Obviously, I've been to a few Worlds since then. Right. It's the, was your parents and, and stuff like real supportive once, once I realized so my dad, that you were going to do my this? My dad, like both of my parents have separately been supportive. Okay. Um, and I've lived, I've lived with my dad um, since, like, when that moment happened. So it was really just one of those things where the early stages of like a messy divorce. I, right. it's one of those things where I totally understand how I don't. I, I've never been through a divorce, but it sounds pretty awful. Right. Um, I'm sure it will drive a sane person crazy. And I'm just happy that I've been able to play the game since then. Okay, that makes sense. Because so, like being 12, you always you like when, whenever I have a younger guest, I'm like you got to have that support system because obviously you're 12, you know. So, 100. Well, even like yeah. nowadays, like we're talking back then, like I'd go to my Toronto regionals per year because regionals were all on the same weekends. Yeah, and the, so I'd go to like maybe five major events in a year because that's all it allowed. And then there's some months where I go to five major events in a month nowadays. Mm-hmm. So especially if you're one of the top uh, junior or senior players, like Regan Retzclaw, for example, yeah. like that kid needs 100% backing from his parents. Mm-hmm. Not that he like he's probably got some money that he's made off this game, but like you know, you got to have some parents who front you, or at least like when I was 12, I did not have a credit card, so right. That's what like you got to you know, travel everything. Like someone's got to be there. But uh, so going in after, so did you just stick with the game since then? Like. Dude. It's one of those things where, like, I played off, uh, off and on, like, competitively, competitively. Um, with financials back in the day, um, it was tough because, like, some years we'd have our Canadian National Championships in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't any money in the game back then, yeah. so it was a little bit more competitive casual. So I've, I've played the game up to, like, a level where I could always make the World Championships for the most part. Okay. Um, and it was really in 2016, 2017 where I had a string of events that kind of gave me that eureka moment where I'm like, I could actually make it. Okay. Um, I think it was, uh, what was it? It was Fort Wayne. I made top 16 at Fort Wayne regionals, got a $500 like check. That's when they first added money into the game. Yeah. The then I went to Hartford regionals, the next one. And I made uh top 32 and I was like, okay. I think I could actually like do this. And I was like running the numbers. I remember like calling my dad before going to Hartford and I'm like, I think I could actually make it as one of these professional players. Like, I think it works. And my dad was just like, "That re- that's really cool, but, like, you should work a normal job. Um, right. And then it was like, I'm like, I called my work, and I'm like, I'm going to be gone for, like, three weeks. And kind of like, <laughs> I, w- I was actually working as, like, a manager at, like, a, a manage- management position. 
it's a New York fries. We make poutine because welcome to Canada. Right, right. And uh, I told them, I'm like, I'm going to try to take Pokemon more seriously. They're like, good luck, buddy, uh, kind <laughs> of. And uh, ever since then, I really didn't look back. Right. So you, so that's, that's another <laughs> question. You're, so you're full-time Pokemon right now. One hundred percent full time. Um, I don't. I don't work at McDonald's. I don't. Do any. I don't work as an office. I. I put in one hundred percent. I know some people have made some jokes online about like how much money you actually can make off this game, or everyone's like, uh, parents' basement dwelling, blah blah blah. I'm like, I. I live within the within uh, Toronto, like Greater Toronto area, about forty minutes north Barrie. Currently, the third most expensive city in all of Canada. Not to like be like, like money cloud yeah, or anything yeah. like this, but, but like it's a, it's you can fully self support yourself off Pokemon. Yeah, it's a, um, I mean it's definitely a stereotype that you probably hear a lot, just like you said. One hundred percent. I've I've heard some snickers in the back. I've seen some stuff in PTCG Hell. Um, it's one of those things where like I really don't care. I I do like I coach kids. I coach clients in general because there's some adults that also go for coaching as well. Um, I write for sixty cards PTCGO store. I have a bunch of sponsorships. Yeah. I do want to talk um, about sponsors with you because for sure. Um, obviously, you you hear it, you probably hear it a lot with the whole sponsorship and yourself because um, you're like on the show. I, I really am an advocate of talking about when it comes down to teams and sponsorships is a totally different thing. And sure, I, I I think I use you as an example a lot because my thought process is that these are not teams. Like Air G is not a team. Um, your sponsorship yeah. because. Like when you probably get a lot of flack when, cause I think by far you're the one person that bounces around. I, yeah. Fair? It's like, one of those things where like, yeah, bouncing yeah. around whatever terms it is yeah. at the end of the day, I like, if there's any of my old sponsors doing this, I totally appreciate the opportunity in the moment. Exactly. Um, but I come from a, I come from a corporate background mm-hmm. um, from Yum management. Uh, the ones that do KFC, Pizza Hut's, Taco Bell, stuff like that. So being an area manager for my local area, um, I know a lot about business and I know when to draw a line. And I think a lot of these sponsors, they, they see the appeal of being like, oh, cool, it's esports. Oh, cool, like I like these players. When friendships and money get involved, it's often a very toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I've left a lot of teams is because I, I know when a ship is sinking. Okay. And... I, I'd argue to say that I'm not wrong. No, like, um, um, one of my biggest are, because I, I think the most flack I think you get um, is more like, oh, he just left another team. And I'm like, in my head, how I see it, I've always seen it this way, is he didn't leave a team. He left, he didn't, he didn't agree with what the terms of that sponsorship was. And, sure. he, and he moved on to something that he thought was better. And, as as much and, and this whole team thing is just ridiculous in my opinion. Like I think nowadays we're seeing teams which are actually testing groups that are just yeah. yeah I think it's I think that and more it's a little bit more testing groups yes. because like I can tell you firsthand from being I love all the people who were on Dead Draw Gaming when exactly. I was on there. Um, if you asked if I tested with them at that time, I did not exactly. at all. Like I have my homies, I have mm-hmm. my whatever. Um, like I had uh, Danny on the podcast last weekend. We talked about the whole situation with Dead Draw and like those five, six players. That that was a team, like one hundred percent. That was a team. The other, and he said like he made a whole thing where he, we had all those other sponsorships, but they're they're just sponsored players. And I was like, that's what I've been trying to tell people. I'm like, 
it's a sponsorship. It's, it has nothing to do with teams. Like, this whole thing is not teams, guys. So when people want to sit here and go, Zach Lesage left another team, I'm like, no. Like, no. No, no, no. no. It's, it was really, like, it wasn't working out, like, especially with, like, the financials of, like, running through things. Um, now, now that DDG is a little bit over, I'm a little bit more open to talking about it. Yeah. But they were paying our the top three players a certain amount per event. Well, when when you're Zach Lesage, and I finished like last year, like fourth in North America or something, and you're going against Daniel Tavilla, Jimmy Pendarvis, Caleb Gettimer, and you, you can just as like you go down the whole list, and you're like, if I was the top three out of those players at a tournament last season, I was doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so running through the numbers, it just really didn't work out. And I'll admit, DDG is one of the ones where I left where I was frustrated. Um, last year, I was not in the greatest of mental health, so when I left. DDG, I was very upset at that moment, and it was more of me being reactionary. Yeah. Um, for other teams, like more, more most currently, I left uh, Rock Games, I think, in October. Um, when it was my my tweet, or I guess my Facebook post on that, explained how it was. I might have, I could have gone through it a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, when a team tells me that they can no longer financially support me, I'm like, that's cool. I appreciate that opportunity. There's no, there's nothing that holds me onto a team in a contract. Right. There's nothing that's holding me on financially. I'm like, look, I I need to look for something else because as much as I could fully support myself off Pokemon, it's it's like if you work your normal day to day job and they're like, we're cutting your hourly rate by this, or if your money expected at the end of the day is this, and it's not all about money and everyone can be homies, but at the end of the day, if if I'm staying on something that can't offer me what I'm looking for. I know that at the end of the day, if I can't eat or if I can't support my family or if I can't support myself, that's that's why. Yeah. Um, and even things where like you just know where a team a team is destined to not last forever. We just saw Dead Draw Gaming finally close their doors or are closing their doors over the past little bits. Mm-hmm. It's for me where I am with the upper hands, a store that's been established in Toronto area. For me, it's being a little bit more local. I'm not even per se, a sponsored player. I'm more of a commu- local community ambassador and we're helping to grow our grassroots level at this store so that we could see a future in uh, Toronto area because we're one of those places where Pokemon, it dies off every once in a while. It's, it's, it's kind of a vicious cycle because we only have one regional championships in our entire country. That's true. Um, so there's a bunch of places where we could hold regionals and stuff like that, but for people like there's a bunch of people who aren't going to Toronto regionals in a couple weeks because they don't have a passport. We could flip around the other way around where as a Canadian, I have to go through customs twice a month True. just to play this game, which it, it's not bad, but it's also one of those things where I'm in a foreign country multiple times throughout the year um, to play Pokemon where other people just take that for granted. So yeah. I'm really happy with my opportunities that I have now, especially with some of my other sponsors and, it's it's working out it's working out good. Yeah, I think I think uh, you said it well. I think a lot of people when they they look at that, they don't really get the full picture. They just see a post that says, uh, "Thank you for your your support." Uh, moving on. And like, I'm not gonna lie though. I I, I I people can make jokes about it. I do have a template made up at any time. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not one to uh, I, I'm one to say my mind for the most part. Right and. For better or for worse, I'd rather be honest with myself than sit there and be upset with a situation because I think that's what creates uh, toxicity within a team as well, right? Because if it's not going to work out for all parties involved, then sometimes you need to break up and that's the best thing to do. 
Um, so I'm, I'm not afraid to break up with anyone. Hey, hey, that works. Um, so let's get, let's, so going, talking about teams and stuff, do you have, do you have a set like, uh, testing group that you work with? So for me, I, I kind of, right now I'm a little bit of a lone wolf where I use a lot of my opportunities, um, through coaching to repeat the behaviors that I teach. So if it's going about sequencing, I'm not entirely worried about that. Um, I, I'll test like my girlfriend. She lives with me, Michelle Babin. I can play test with her. She's a up and coming player around 400 championship points right now in the season, about halfway through. So she's looking on a good path to getting her invite. Um, a lot of it is I do some, I'll do a theory mod with a select few players that change per events. Okay, cool. Um, cool. And I still, I still talk to the guys from uh, Rock Games, whether it's Brian Hunter, Chris Ciacala. Most recently for Australia, I did a lot of talking with uh, Alec Geisler, and I did talking with um, Jacob Chen, just bouncing back ideas back and forth. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, do I really want to waste my time playtesting Mewtwo against abilities are when it's the same matchup that it's always been since the beginning because if anyone hasn't noticed our format hasn't changed it's literally like pidgeotto now wears a rodent mask and it's the same deck (laughs) mewtwo's the same deck Mm -hmm. abilities arts the same deck um obstagoon is basically dark type gardevoir in a way where it's just like i think we're dealing with the same rock paper scissors metagame under the guise that sword and shield is this great new format so when it comes to testing right now, I'm not particularly invested with anyone. That's not to say that I won't be invested with someone going forward. Right. I, like, because it's a big theme on here where when we talk to these top players, like, one, one thing that's come around is that um, all these testing groups are coming together and you're seeing results from, like, Cutter Tap or The Lab and DDG. And, but when I talk to people like you or like Pablo, which Pablo has a team. Sure. Yeah, sure. Right. I think he's on like what brave birds. Yeah. Something and like that. But, or something like that. Yeah. But when I talk to him, he's like a lot of, a lot of what I get, um, my, my, my repetitiveness and my, my runs are, are through coaching. And I think well, the same with you, you're like, well, I teach this all day. So yeah, exactly. Like, just, like I'm putting in a 40 hour yes. week of me grinding Pokemon. If it's mm-hmm. not like, let's say I put in 20 hours minimum a week of testing and that's with me doing a 30, 40 hour week. And then the other like 20, 30 is me talking. And then like anyone who plays this game as a hobby is still going to talk to their homies on the side on messenger and be like, yo, what about this deck? What about that deck? So I think especially as like coaching goes forward and it continuously provides uh, stability. One of those things where I think it allows me to just become an overall better player. Um, I don't necessarily put myself as Daniel Altavilla in that range of player, because he's seen a lot of success. But at the end of the day, like, I think that... You're up there. Yeah, yeah we're, you're we're up there. there. You're fine. Like, but you're it's one of those, like, well. it's the continuous habits that I put through that really helped me get that extra win percentage at the end right. of the day. I think I think it's just... Uh, it's a, You have a good mindset, and you're, you're working with it. Um, so when we... And like, I, I kind of want to just look at your limitless. Um, sure. So, uh, really, we go about, back to 2016-2017, you, internationals, motherboard, and you, you, you get dark ride, you, you get top, or top 120, or top 64, yeah. 
Yeah, top 64 in Australia that year. <laughs> and then... Um, that was basically I. I wasn't playing like I was playing for an invite that year. Yeah. It shows that I went to Australia, but it's just like my brother. Uh, my brother came second at London Internationals that year. He had a paid stipend, so for me, I was like, "Oh, cool, we can go to Australia." Like that was basically the first year that Pokemon introduced this huge international travel. So um, we actually made a family trip out of that with my brother, my dad, and we all played in the oh, tournament. So it was pretty cool. Um, one thing I noticed when I looked through your list. Which I, I noticed this a lot in in a lot of the top players. Um, you find you find a deck and you kind of stick with it. And one hundred percent. And um, that that that's like um, something you live by, basically. Uh, it's one of those things where I know, like <laughs> like last last season is when I saw a lot of success with Blissefulon GX. Right. Became known as like the Blounds guy. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came down to Blissefulon GX. I actively tested every single deck available in that format and continuously came up with the same answer that Blacephalon GX was one of the best choices I can make for each event. Um, I wasn't necessarily going with a strategy that was allowing me to win events or spike events. I'm, I guess I'm a little conservative by nature, but at the same time, um, it was a solid run with me winning Collinsville, Mexico City special events. And then I had a few events where there was like Madison, where... I lost my winning into top eights. Then there was Denver where I tied my winning into top eight. So I could have had even a more successful season. Um, last year, I think I, I had quite a few 16, 17 range. Yeah. That was just like yeah. very, very close to just getting up to that extra top eight. Yeah, that's I think that's my curse as a player overall, uh-huh. where it's like I get close enough. Even in like uh, Portland this season, Hitmonchan, I, I'm in my winning into top eights playing against Pikaram. And I'm like, yo, this is awesome. And I got my opponent bodied me in five minutes. Wow. I just double dead drew. I was like, pass. And he's like, are you serious? So that's rough. Um, yeah, the blessed level seemed really good for you. And then you had him on Chan. And the, like last year was one was like your biggest year, right? One hundred percent. Yeah. And do you do you like? You think it was just Blessed was you got so comfortable with Blacephalon that it just made tournaments a lot easier for you? Well, I think, like, what a lot of people fail to understand is, like, there's the modern era of the game, and before that, like, I have over, like, I'd say 10 regionals top eights in the non... Like, as a master, in the non-modern era of the game. Um, I'm a five-time state provincial territorial champion, where it's just, like, depending on where I was with my work or career or anything like that at the time... um, my interest in the game has dwindled or gone up. Now that I'm playing on a professional level, um, I think it's one of those things where Blacephalon helped me for sure. I, I pi- like was an early pioneer for that deck and made top eight at LAIC. Um, from there, I was like, oh, cool, this concept actually really works and like kind of rode the wave on it. But in general, the same way, it's I've, I've played a bunch of different decks to success, so I wouldn't say it's necessarily just Blacephalon. Right. Um, going into this year, it looks like you're on Reshizard. Is that is that what Reshizard? I think is it, it's a pretty good deck going forward. Yeah. Uh, this year is actually like kind of disappointing for me because it's like um, my limit list compared to last year makes me look like I've been slacking or not traveling or something. Um, especially if we compare it to where we are at the year, because I think I made like day two at almost every single regionals last year up until this point. Yeah. If Whereas can. this year, it's just like I got points from every single regionals except Atlantic City. Okay. So, so, so it's one like, of those things where, like Atlantic City, I went in with abilities are 
got my butt handed to me, went zero three. Then I played Guardian. Um, I think I went like six three. Points. So it's one of those things where I'm just like super close. Even in Brazil, um, I played uh, ADP Keldio and was six three. Right. Um, so a bunch of like these tournaments where I'm, I'm so close, but it's that heartbreaking moment in the round where it's just like it's not going my way, or my opponent just drew slightly better than me. So in yeah. in some ways, it's a little bit of an off year for me where it's like I'm on the wrong side of that coin. But obviously, I'll take the second place at the international championships because that kind of makes up for a lot of it, right? Because like, um, so was last year's first place at Collinsville? That was your first regional championship. That was my first regional championship win. Yeah. Okay. Like, how's that feel? Like, at that, at, you've been playing. I don't know since you're twelve, basically. Yeah. yeah so it's like right? 2006 to what are we? 2020. That's 2020. Four, 14 years. 14 years in the in the come up. So a decade uh, and a bit. Mm-hmm. So you, and like obviously you have a lot of experience in top eights. To get over it's, that it's hump. one of those things where it's like it, it finally felt like it all played played together. Um, I I can't attribute to anything a little bit than getting luckier in the top eight than I have in the past. Like it's not. I'm not unknown to making it far in a tournament. But, like, if we go to LAIC, um, when I played against Daniel Altavilla in the top eight, mm-hmm. um, my deck was not equipped to beat his deck. Right. And where it's, like, to finally be in a position where I played against Peter Kika. Kika was playing uh, Buzzwool, um, Buzzwool Lycanroc kind of deck, I guess. Yeah. And my deck had a very strong answer with Naganadel. Then I played against Riley Holbert, where he was playing a control deck. That was a matchup that I extensively tested going into that tournament that I understood. Um, and then I played against Daniel Altavilla, and he took out all of his techs for Blacephalon. Um, so it's one of those things where, like, it worked really well guiding into the top eight. Right. Um, so it, it honestly felt good, really good, because I've always wanted to become a regional champion, I think, as many players. Like, for me, I was like, oh, cool, I can actually finally do it now. Um, so it gives me hope for the future. I think it was a really big moment. Right. And then coming into this year, you get, you get to the finals in, in an international. And, like, usually that's the steps. People are like, let me get the regional championship. Let me get the international. Like, going into the matchup, you get a, sure. you get a whole day, right? So, like, what what are your are – you, are you testing that night before that matchup? No, not no, at all. It's no. one of those things, like, uh, I can almost put it back to where I was going to the top eight against Tord because I knew I was playing I, – I actually, like – I was I was outside making a phone call, just talking to my fam, mm-hmm. and um, it was one of those things where I didn't I knew I made top eight, I was secured, handed my deck in for deck check, and then I didn't even know re- I didn't realize where I fell in the top eight because I'm looking at the whole thing. Ability Zard was a really solid call yeah. for that top eight in general because I'm like, oh, I do well against the two ADP Zations, I do well against the two Chinchino controls, mm-hmm. or at the time two Chinchino controls, rip the DQ. Um, <laughs> And it's one of those things where I'm like, I was so pissed off that I hit Mewtwo because I knew that it was my worst matchup in the top eight. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly don't know if I would have been able to win that matchup against Tord if he did not get that game loss. Right. Um, people were like, oh, your game one looked really cool. And I'm like, yeah, but that was like the one out of 10 games that yeah. it looked really cool. Game two shows more what the matchup should be. Right. Because like in that uh, game one, he didn't have any three welders. Or like, <clears> oh, exactly. Bat, as soon right? as that happened, I was like, this game okay. should be. I have a, I have a t- look, was, like, looking good. Even that game was super close mm-hmm. because he got me down to the reset stamp at the end. I drew quite fortunately off the reset stamp in order to win, I think, with a Victini Prism Star. Yeah. Um, and then game two did not go my way. Game three, obviously, Tord got the game loss. Yes. Top four, I, I beat my Jinchino playing opponents. 
in about 20 minutes flat, uh, matchups and auto in. Um, what at that point it was really weird because I had every single American player telling me that I won the international championships because Obstagoon was being played against um, oh. Nico. And my deck is equipped to beat Obstagoon, especially like a list that doesn't have Stealthy Hood. I have Reshazard, so they don't really have all the t- uh, tricks that they could use against Mewtwo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we saw him get that double prize card penalty. Mm-hmm. Nico, amazing play, Stinger GXs, mm-hmm. and basically robs Tim Bartels of that game. Yeah, um, It was at that point that I was like, not to say that I settled with coming second. I knew that it was not a good matchup. Right. Um, going into the finals and seeing my opening hand starting with the Dene GX, that's when my mind shut off. I know I completely made a few mistakes um, with the Heatran GX. Mm-hmm. Namely, that play was horrible. Yeah. I knew at the time that it was 100% horrible. We could There's all no tell that you knew it. Like, as soon as, it, as, soon as he uh, captured it up, we all knew that you knew. Like it was, that you even up. well even while I was playing it down I was like oh I shouldn't play this quick ball and I'm like no but like what if he like I don't even know why I even right. came down to it I had Nico's exact list um, from what we saw on the stream and from what Tord played and we figured yeah. it all out yeah. um, it it was one of those things where like at that point it was it was all over and then right. game two set up okay but it, it still is not it's not a fantastic matchup. matchup. No. So I'm like, you want to know what? It is what it is. Nico played incredibly well. No. Um, I played mostly well throughout the day to get to that point. At least I hope right. as everyone watching at home, I'm like, I played much better than I did game one. Right. And so, uh, as someone uh, that obviously you make it to the top a lot, but like when you get to that point, in the back of your head, do you think like, man, that was my one shot? Or or, or are you like, nah, dude, I you can do what this I've again. had. I've had a lot of that thought. I've had a lot of those thoughts before, like, right. especially, like, when you make it to a, so far in a tournament. Like, when I was at top eight at LAIC, mm-hmm. I was so... Um, I, I wanted to beat Danny so bad because I'm like, oh, I get a trophy, I get this. It's, like, something where it's, like, I really wanted to take back from that trip. Right. And it just didn't work out in terms of, like... And I was like, that was my opportunity then. But then ever since I've been performing i guess a little bit more frequently at the absolute top um especially with my win in mexico city win in collinsville yeah. and now the second it's it seems a little bit more achievable and i think it's one of those things where as my confidence grows with the game and as i become more comfortable with myself as a player mm-hmm. um i i know exactly what i'm capable of and i'm just excited for the next time it happens um there's no magical feeling in the air when you're about to do well at a tournament. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I had a conversation with Michael Pramawad and I was like, dude, like, do you go into a tournament and know that you're going to win the regional championships? And like, there's no magical formula about it. It's just dedication, a little bit of luck, a little bit of everything along the way. I'm sure I could replay the tournament over a thousand times and maybe not place as high as I did. Or maybe I could win it a few times. It's one of those things where... Pokemon, there's a little bit of luck. It's just your skill and determination that take you that far. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, I, I ask that question because like it comes up a lot. I think it comes up at every level. Like <coughs> I remember it was like Salt Lake two years ago. Um, I finished second uh, in Swiss and going into day two, and I fucking threw it. And like after that tournament, that was my first day two. After I turned, I'm like, dude, that was my one shot. That was my one shot probably never do it again you know and like i think without the experience like now looking back i'm like dude that it's a dumb mindset like you yeah you did it once you can do it again just stop just calm down but 
when you're when you're in that situation, you're like, "Fuck, that was it." Like, who knows if I'll ever get back to that situation? One hundred percent, and it's like yeah. it's it's the unknowingness that makes most people uncomfortable yeah. because you want to know it. Even as you're saying that, it's not even just about me like having these top top performances. I totally you want to know what like going back to Hartford even 2017. I remember being like seven one one going into day two and being like. I made it and then not having a good day too. And being like, I don't know if I'm going to have a tournament like that again. Right. Cause it's always like this, like this, you get scared. You look around at your peers and they continuously do well, especially like if you look at only top players and you're like, man, I'm not keeping up. But um, as Pokemon and the information travels around a little bit more, the game only becomes um, more and more difficult yeah. And you just have to become more and more determined. Yeah, like I, I've talked to a lot of people, and like when it when it comes to the money era now, I think the game's a lot harder. I think people are taking the game a lot more serious. Um, the whole like not leaking your list type shits happening, and and it like for a newer player, it, it is harder. Like I, we can't just sit here and be like, no, dude, like anyone could do it. Like you can, you can do it. You just it's harder, and you need to work hard at it. One hundred percent. Once you start getting the respect from from players, like then that comes with like, okay, well, let's work together, blah blah blah. But you also just find your own niche. Like there's there's countless of people that find their their own testing group and that they they succeed. Um, with all with all the success, right? Um, I mean, obviously, in the last um, five six years, you've had a lot of um, success, um, but like if we, and this might be a touchy subject, but in 2013 you had that incident, right? Sure. Um, but you bounced back from it, obviously. Uh, yeah, no, we uh, could I, we, we could talk about it yeah, for like I, a second. Yeah, too, yeah. Because I, I know um, it was actually most recently. Not not to name drop anyone. I saw yeah. she made a comment about it, and I like it's sometimes it's hard to read on the internet into right. like what's a joke and what's not because at the end of the day for me i'm like this is my career this is not me i'm not i'm not dicking around anymore um there's definitely this is what i do on a daily basis and if it's something like that i'm like i need to figure out exactly what's going on so yeah in 2013 um canadian nationals uh nickel gators anyone wants to call it um i don't want to really place blame on anything or try to take away from what it was um, we had a few select Canadian judges who said that this behavior was acceptable, okay. and then they decided that it was not as soon as what can, what Canada was a closed kind of community, I guess, is the best way to put it, where it's just like, we didn't really have streams, we didn't really have anything. So when it was on stream, and then people were like, oh, it's unacceptable, that's really where it came down. And that's where Pokemon's like, you want to know what? Um, you are getting a temp- like a temporary leave from the game, a ban for a year. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I explained my side of the situation. Um, and it, it was also very apparent because Curtis Lyon, another great player as well in the top four, that's really the game where it was that happened. Um, okay. it, all it is is a learning experience. Right. I mean, it was seven like, years oh, ago. 100%. And like, I know like if anyone's doing the math, they're like, oh, Zach said he's 28. At the time he was 21. He's a little bit of grown. Like he was grown by then. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to say that I was old enough. But at the same time, like, I think we all have situations where we look into people where we trust, such as our local judges, and then we just go by it for whatever reason it is. Um, 
I'm going to say that there was no malicious intent towards Curtis. I don't think Curtis had any malicious intent towards me. We remained friends over the years and even before that and after that. So it's one of those things where it's really unfortunate. I will man up that that's what it was. We, yeah. I wasn't trying to gain any advantage for me. I was my deck Blastoise plays a lot of energies. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to draw into a gigantic clump of them. Yeah, that's what, like when I, when I looked into it, um, and I, I'm sure everyone's probably seen the video, but sure. Like when I watch it, I'm like, oh, he got banned for declumping. And then like when you hear people talk about it, he's like, oh, he's stacking his deck. Like in my head, I didn't even think that. Like in my head, I was and that's like, exactly what it was. Where it's like that's that's where I was, and and I'm sure what it was. There was probably an insufficient shuffle somewhere, or that that's basically what declumping or stacking your deck is is an insufficient Correct. shuffle. I was um, like, it might be the same thing. By no but... means in any way was there any malicious intent on it. So <laughs> right. at the end of the day, I look at it like this. Regardless of whatever it was, Pokemon made a decision on what it was. Yeah. I did everything um, up to what Pokemon standards were for that. And now I've 100%. Right. There's been zero issues since then. Right. People could look at it as just like, I'm not the one who's getting taken away from tournaments. I'm not the one who's on Pokemon's watch list. At least I hope not. Uh, <laughs> I think but I've played many games on stream. Like I literally was like looking through on YouTube the other day. There's like probably 50 games of me playing on regional streams since then, and there's not there's been no call out posts. There's no nothing at anything. There's not been any like Zach Lasage is sketchy. People can have an opinion of me, but I, I try to 100 percent, especially as a coach, as um, a member of the community. I, I just try to live the game up to the absolute fullest. Right. Like the, the the biggest reason I bring it to us is because it it happened seven years ago. And now if you like seven years ago when that happens, do you think in your head like I'm gonna be a full time Pokemon player now? Like when that oh, happens, no. there's there, no way. Like and now look at You wanna why like it, it it's definitely one of those things where like the only things that went across my head was fuck this game. Exactly. Whereas exactly. I, I sold my collection, just so everyone knows. I've sold my collection in this game probably like <laughs> five, ten times. I've, I used to be like that rage quitter where it's like at the end of a tournament that doesn't do well or I'd make top eight, I'm like, I, I literally want to get out of this game as much as possible. Um, with that being said, I've acquired a large collection since then and we're back We're back in it. That's what I'm um, yeah. we're, we're here for the foreseeable future. And I think um, a lot of uh, a lot of people didn't don't, don't get the full story. You know, they watch the video, and then you probably—I mean, it probably you probably hear about it all the time. Even though it was seven years ago, you probably hear. Oh, no, and you wonder what? There's always going to be echoes, and there's going to be snickers. Right. Like we even saw with other players, like uh, Igor Costa, like what the way that they kind of dragged him through Hey Fonte, mm-hmm. and the way that they dragged him through Verbank. Mm-hmm. And it's just like at the end of the day, is what Igor did what Igor did. That's for Pokemon to decide, but to pull up any other skeletons out of anyone's closet, I think there should be like a certain time for it to close. Right. And I think when people are trying to make their full time careers out of this and their community members and a lot of it, like, especially for your, especially for yourself doing a podcast, I'm sure you understand that content creation is not this multi-million dollar job. Oh, like I, I it's one of those things where you do it for the goodness of the community. Right. Exactly. So like, some some people do not have the idea of like what a sponsorship is or even what exactly. content creation brings. Like I'm sure there's some people that look at me and be like, Zach makes a million dollars a year doing YouTube. <laughs> like or be like, Oh, this kid's poor AF. Like there's so many yes. ways to talk about it. At the end of the day, like I think we should all let everyone do what we want to do and treat people how we want to be treated. I agree. I think uh 
Yeah, I, I like to use this platform to to give people that choice. Because <laughs> a lot of situations like that do happen, and they, they go under the, the rug, and people forget about it. But then there's always, like, even in the Twitch chat, when you're in the finals, you there's that Snickers of, oh, like, like did he probably cheat? Like, dude, seven years ago. Like, yeah. You, and like, and the thing is that I'd like, like, if, if if Pokemon has a problem with me, like, if there's anyone for Pokemon, one hundred percent. If anyone has a problem with me, I will not play this game. No, you're. Like, I'll be very clear, like, with it, where it's just like, no. If, if there is, if there it's is any traces of that, I play enough tournaments. I travel around enough. I play enough on stream where there's plenty. Like, if there's incriminating activity out there, please. Right. I think. I think the the biggest like uh, it's mostly just trolls. Like. The, yeah. the internet's just full of people that want to talk shit on the internet, you know? And like, 100%. I think we've all been 12 and had right? Xbox Live at some point, but, so... But I think it's part of your story. Like, I like I think it's a good story where you see... You go from an instant like that, and you're like, fuck this game, I'm done. And then, seven years later, this is your full-time job, and you've, you've turned it around, and now you've made a living out of it. 100%. Right? And when it comes to content creation, like exactly, like I I I do this podcast because I want this story to get out, and I want people to listen to you exactly what's going on and everything you have to say. And then when they watch you on stream next time, they're like, "Hey, that's Zach Lesage. I heard his story. Like he's coming up, he's doing this, and like let's let's get this going. Like I like him now, you know. I appreciate that too. I appreciate having <laughs> and, an opportunity to talk about. Things. I think a lot of uh, a lot of stories being told, like even like um, when I had Xander on and he got top four at Worlds when he was like fifteen. I'm like, how is that not a story? How does not everyone who plays this game know that? You know? And well, like, that's the thing too, where it's just like uh, things get washed over in this mm-hmm. game, and like I see it in Canada, we have like a lot of really strong players. Like one of those things, uh, the way that I know how this game can quickly forget what your past accomplishments are. When my girlfriend uh, moved from Montreal, Quebec, to come live with me, I took her to a first cup relatively early into our relationship. She played Pokemon before me. We met through Pokemon. Okay. Um, she played against Andrew Estrada, which is our 2015, 2014 world champion. Yeah. Anyways, um, she didn't know who he was. Right. She did not know at all. And it's not like her being like specifically like turning a blind eye to like what someone's accomplishments are same way that like Rowan Stave now plays in my area and he won worlds in 2015 and juniors. People are just like, Oh, it's just some master this year and how he made top four last year and seniors. Like people are really, e- it's easy to forget about people along the way yeah, as well. So that's why I think like for someone like Xander who made uh, accomplishments at worlds before people are really forgetful of old accomplishments. And like, I like I'm a real advocate of like, if you do have an accomplishment, say, say, Joe Blow wins regionals in Collinsville next week, like, yeah, reach out to people and get on these social medias because I I think that these platforms help grow the community and and like there there just wasn't this in the past. There was nothing. No. And now there's so many mediums and like. Uh, I, I want to address this too. I get DMs a lot where I'll get a DM that's like. Because I had um, Nico on, and then he goes, he was on Trainer Chip, and he's like, "Could you believe he went on Trainer Chip too?" I'm like, "This isn't a race. This isn't. This isn't a competition. Like, guys, we're try, we grow this community together. Like, yeah. I, I, like, in my opinion, if you do well at something, you should hit every single platform. If 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 you're invited to go on 
uh, Celio's Network and and Trainer Chips and uh, Rare Candy. Like, hit them all because, like, all this works to grow the community. Like, it's not. There's no downing of anyone. The more that there's Pokemon like TCG that's just searched on YouTube. <laughs> exactly. That's why I, I think like. no matter what, like if I didn't, if there wasn't that kid on the schoolyard who was trading Pokemon that day, I, mm-hmm. I'd probably be working some office job a nine to five, mm-hmm. and wouldn't be traveling around, or I wouldn't even be here in this opportunity. Um, don't know what my life would be, but <laughs> it's one of those things where like Pokemon gets to different people in different ways. Right. Um, I, I want to speak about what you just said with uh, um, things getting washed over. I, like it, I talked about this on, I think we talked about it last Wednesday. I don't know one of the podcasts we talked about this. I really think it gets washed over because there's no off season. Like, like we go we go into worlds and there's an open that gives you points for the next year. Like, well, and we're just like, moving on. Yeah, now we have what uh, quarter zero of cups. Yes, where it's like yes. I go from my cups that I finished at LA or from NAIC. I go for NAIC. Right it's like cool. Season. You want to know what I got? My top sixteen ticket to world, or I got my invite, yep. and then it's like oh, two weeks later, I have cups that I'm grinding for the next season. Exactly. I I really wish they would have an off season. I think that it promotes like um, it, it really promotes your players because. You get to you get a rest period of. Hey, this guy won worlds, you know, and yeah, and I I I really like as cool as the open is, I, I'm like the more I talk to people, I'm more for let's do a last chance qualifier or something. I, want, I, I think I don't want to be like holier than thou. I'm very proud. That I haven't played in the open. It's one of those things right. where. I, I think that those points are very like, especially for players who are joining in for the top sixteen race on that behalf. I'm totally cool if any player works their ass off all year and gets an invite to the World Championships. I'm an advocate for pe- players having the opportunity to play in the World Championships. I think the World Championships might be a little bit large um, at this time, um, but that's also coming for me from the mindset like when I played in 2012 Masters in Hawaii, I think there were 64 of us. Oh shit! Um, so it's just like you're down to a really, really, really concentrated thing from back then to, I think the numbers are reaching what five, 600 mm-hmm. nowadays. Um, and that's the reason why I play for top 16 so hard every single year, because I just don't want to be one of those players who got unlucky stuff. once or hit the wrong matchup. Worlds is becoming a little bit more of a crapshoot. Yeah. Um, with, with the open being, like you said, with it, with it being difficult like that, I think it's, there, there has to be a fix towards it. Right. I There's think... too many players who are like jump starting their entire everything off of the open. Mm-hmm. And especially when we see players like, um, not to use Igor Costa as an example, but he comes off of his uh, leave from Pokemon, Correct. joins back in. He's definitely like a shark in a water full of people who couldn't make worlds or people who are pissed off that they did not make day two of worlds right. and use that to his advantage to play got 200 championship points. I don't want to say easy because I don't think it's necessarily easy to win that event, but it definitely is a large amount of championship points that also players who are in day two of worlds can never acquire back. Yeah. Like that's what, um, when I was talking to Nico about it, he's like, they either need to drop the whole open thing or day two player. If you're going to, if you're going to keep this whole, like no, no stop grind till we die situation. Then these day two players need to be compensated with points for next year. Like I, I 100% agree with that because like I like I did I went to Worlds. I lost. I was three one one at one point. And I'm like I'm looking at it and I'm like yo I'm two wins away from making top eight. 
Um, lost lost a really close game three. Then I'm one win away from making top 32, and I'm like, awesome. Completely got double donked, and I'm like, so there's people who are playing in the open. I'm getting nothing for playing day two of Worlds. This kind of sucks, where I have like my peers, like Grant Manley, who's doing really well, Benjamin Branch, who's doing really well. There's a few other top 16 caliber players right now who got a decent bit of points from the open. Um, and by all means, if I had op- an opportunity to go to the open, I'm sure I'd be in there playing it as well. Right. Um, doing my absolute best, but it's, it just creates for these awful situations for, I think, every single person involved, except for the people who did well at the Open. But even then, their opportunities are probably going to be like, I got Open points, guys, I'll admit it. Um, I think it's become like a little bit of this uh, sad taboo to have Open points. Yeah, I'd really, like, I personally would wish that Worlds was just so focused on Worlds. Like, uh, as an event, especially being your World Championship, I want I, I want it to be like this big event that is a end of the year event that we are looking to find the best player in this group of players that work so hard to get there and nothing else. Let's not focus on anything else. Let's there's nothing. Let's if I, I like the last chance qualifier. Like if you want to sure. run that, that gives people opportunity to play. It's a it's a really it's a lot harder tournament because it's like single limb and you're just grinding and if you win go right into the next day, you know? But, well, the other thing, too, is, like, I feel like even the way that we currently have it, I feel like for the top 16 players who got their automatic day two qualification of Worlds, that's cool. I, I don't think anyone would argue that a top 16 player didn't deserve it at any given point. Yeah. But I also think, like, this year, for example, I think there's around 23 players who are actively chasing it, yeah. which means if anyone's doing math, there's some there's some very great players who played all season long who are not getting that prize, who are not getting paid to go to London, who are not getting uh, compensated, who are not making day two at Worlds. Um, and I feel like those players should have some kind of buys day one of Worlds um, mm-hmm. for the efforts that they put in this season. I think our whole structure, it's a little bit poor at the top end, especially like, I like Henry Brand. Henry Brand has written for me at 60 cards. I've talked to him. He's a great guy. Is Henry Brand the absolute best player in the world last season? And I think it's not to call out Henry by any means, Worlds last year was a tournament where 5-1-1 made top eights. And I think going from right to day two, just to going right to seven rounds determines who are the best eight players in the game is, I don't know if that's enough. I feel like Worlds should be a little bit more. And at the same time, we have some great players. We saw Justin Bokari. He just won Collinsville Regionals. I don't like Expanded. Maybe he loves it. Hunter Butler, I know, he won Dallas. Does Hunter Butler like Expanded? Yeah, Carter Barsh loves Expanded. Great Expanded players. Even like Finnegan Lynch, who's taken a little bit of a back seat this season. Yeah. He's had a lot of impressive results in Expanded, done a lot for that format. We have nothing to show for it at Worlds. Why are we playing in a format that we aren't playing at Worlds? Yeah, that does suck. I, I, I personally love that we have two formats, I think. I think, especially because the grind is so hard in, in the States and there's so many regionals and there's so many cups and stuff. To just play one format the whole time would suck. But you're right. Like, when it comes down to the end of the year, none of that shit matters. Like, you literally tested all these expanded decks and did all this testing for expanded and won these tournaments for nothing. Like, to go to Worlds and... I mean, people will argue that, like, they'll probably do what they did last year and have a whole new format for Worlds. Um, so That's another thing that makes it incredibly difficult yes. as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people are on 
both sides. A lot of people liked it, like kind of even the playing field for everyone. And then some people are like, well, it shouldn't be even. Like I, I worked hard, you know, I worked hard. I, I, I know the matchups. I, I built my decks for this and like, it shouldn't be even. Let's, let, let's play. I've done this this far. Let's see who the best is at this format. And sure. It is what it is, you know, but I think like a lot of people are just not, not happy with the way it is. And, um, they, what, there used to be a buy system, right? Um, they used to have a buy system for national championships and that was, um, it, it was easily easy to manipulate, especially in countries like Canada where we had players who were getting first or whatever. And we were getting, we had the same championship point requirement as the United States, but we've always been a, um, combined. So if you look at 2016 with Canadian nationals giving 500 points away for their top four players each and U.S. Nationals, a tournament that's 10 times the size, was giving away 500 players. We had three Canadians in the top four players, and they robbed a bunch of spots. Not to say, like, Canada's the one that stopped it, but it's a system that doesn't necessarily work across the board. Because how would we do it throughout the entire season, right? Like, how do we determine that um, a regional in Santiago, Chile, is the same regional as... Um, Dallas regionals exactly. or the same regionals as anything else, right? right. Um, for myself, like I look at it where it's just like I won Collinsville last year, um, the biggest regional that we've had in the modern era. Yeah. Or at least I think within the top two. Yeah, it's pretty close. Um, and it's one of those things where it's just like there's no extra pricing for beating an extra 700 players. Like right. if we do it per per player, I, I could have won four Toronto, three Toronto regionals worth of players for the same paycheck. So I think it's one of those things where player, player capacity, it's, it's weird. Yeah. I think, I think that that subject's so weird, like hard because like, um, having Nico on last, last week, um, yep. I are like, we, I argued that I think OCIC is the hardest, uh, international because there's less people and the good players are so oh, more concentrated for yes. sure. You're definitely looking around at the top. Mm-hmm. There's Danny. There's Azul. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, you Nico, want to know what? There's, Ford, there's like Bird. Nico named his like first five matchups, and I'm like, if you hit that at any regional in North America, you, you had a shitty day. Like that's bullshit. Like, like you your tournament yeah. was crap because unless you're, I mean, obviously if you're winning, it is. But if you hit Danny and then you go uh, Azul and then you hit freaking. Right, like I, I get pissed off when I hit two of those guys. Mm-hmm. Like I like playing those guys. I like those guys, but if I don't have to, if I can avoid those guys, and I see, uh, if I see some people who are a little bit more inexperienced, I'm like, yo, yeah. let's go. Yeah. So like when Nico named his top five, I was like, that's Murder's Row. Like, and, and like it's a, that's a sick ass tournament. And like, but again, like you said, when you have fourteen hundred people in a tournament, like. It's 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 hard to compare. It's a little it's like, bit more diluted as well, but it's on? also a mar- it, It's like a marathon a versus marathon. like concentration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it makes it difficult. I think like a buy system would be difficult, yeah. but I think it would have to be based off of um, being a certain percentage in your region. Yeah, I agree. So like, let's say if you were to be like, right now we have top sixteen in North America. I feel like top sixteen is too little. I think that we should go like top twenty five. That sounds like a better number, especially if we're to go with a buy system. So it'd be like. Top twenty five, day two worlds, um, or maybe like top top ten paid go to worlds. 
and then get the day two worlds top 25 day two worlds with a stipend and then maybe like top 50 get a round two buy at worlds and then top 100 get a one round buy at worlds where it's like if you ask anyone if worlds is going to be seven eight rounds having a one or two round buy doesn't necessarily matter especially if you worked off all entire season and then all those players who did that as well if you're player number 101 i'm sure you weren't fighting as hard as a player who is number 50 yeah so it kind of it, it like the system we have kind of does suck so like if you're 17 like fucking a no like the best way that i like to look at it is like in the first year that we saw like a true raise we saw jose morero unfortunately mm-hmm. come 17th and jose then played dates he played day one of worlds had a rough day and that was his season yeah it sucks or you watch people struggle through day one of worlds if you ask me if i'd make it through day one worlds every year i'd say no at all there's no way like if you ask, I don't make day two at every single regionals. We're talking worlds, worlds. right? So yeah, it's a uh, it's such a. I think uh, it just hasn't. I don't know. I don't think they look into it too hard. I, I really do think it's because it's such a like nonstop game. There's no there's no time to think about like okay maybe we should change something. Like it's more well we got cups coming next week. We gotta decide this now. Because we can't just well, mid-season that's the same thing. Go. Like, I've been like flying back. Like I was on the same flight as some uh, po- TPCI reps, and I was like, "So, what's your guys' work week like?" And they're like, "It's a lot." Yeah, because <laughs> they're all taking for these internationals. They're just like taking the entire week off, and obviously they're working out there. But like, Pokemon doesn't stop. No, like the week after Australia, I took an off week, and I was playing at back-to-back cups. Mm-hmm. I'm taking an off week this week, and I'm playing in a cup and a challenge. Then I'm going to Toronto. And then it's where do I end up next in the world? Because yeah. even with like special events and everything around, the game's so globally c- connected now yeah. that it's like it's not uncommon for me to be flying to South America to play in a special event because I want to or. Right. Oh, special events are a very touchy subject too because a lot of people hate, hate when people get points at that because it's regional points that. Uh, a league cup, basically. You know, I agree with yeah. that. Uh, especially, with- like, all, I, I've gone to special events. I've abused that myself. Right. Um, but it's one of those things where you play within the system, and no one can really fault you for playing within the system that's allowed. No. Um, if but- if there is a fault, they'd change it. I think they changed it this year to a best finish limit of six. But I Which think that's also not rewarding <laughs> not for me. Great. Like, I'm in a position where I have all my regionals points. Yeah. Like, are they great finishes? I got a top 256 in there. I'm not going to shame myself for having one. Do I necessarily care at this point if I replace it? No. no. We looked at uh, Grant Manley. He made top 16 this past weekend in Collinsville and got zero CP. Yeah. It's it's not as rewarding as people think at some points. Like, yeah, the grind is insane, especially for the top 16 players. Uh, actually, really, I think if you're just going for the top 16, that's, that's the biggest issue. They got to figure something out with that because I still think that even for like local players, like going to cups and like cups becomes cups so much trash. more important. Like, right. Like, like I it, think that if there was a way to just like, I think the best way to improve the game right now is if they did not have the open, went to some kind of buy system. Like I said before for worlds doing like maybe the top 100 or something like that. Um, and then if they made cups and challenges only count towards day one of worlds. Yeah. So that means like, you wouldn't have players like Danny Altavilla die hard going to your cups so that like, if you're a local player trying to get it, like there's so many times where I have apologized to like homies who are like trying to get their invite. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to get like 
a thousand bucks right, right. now. And I'm like, they're like, are you, are you not to say that I have people who are asking me to scoop, but like, yeah. you can read it off their face where they're like, why are you here? Yeah, you have 12, and like, I hate being there points, as well. Trust yeah. me. I love this game, but I, if I didn't have to play as much, I feel a little bit more relaxed and ready for my next major event. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, before we let, wrap it up, I just um, let's talk with the grind. You know, you're grinding ridiculousness. Um, I'd like to like how much of a toll does that put on you? Like you're traveling every week, like mentally, like that's gotta be. It, it, it's rough sometimes. There's weeks like like I said when I came back from Australia, I was completely a blur. Um, so for me being out of Toronto, I decided to drive to Detroit. Um, because I fly Delta exclusively nowadays. So in order for me to get the points, I went to Detroit. The flight price was fine. Um, So it's a five-hour drive, and then I go from Detroit to L.A., which is like a five-, six-hour flight, then from L.A. to Melbourne, which is a 16-hour flight, and then doing that back and then driving straight home, making it home around like 2 o'clock in the morning. um, That whole week was like me staying up, um, until like five o'clock in the morning, going to bed, waking up at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Like my body got screwed up with like time zones yeah. and it hasn't happened that bad before. And it's like my fourth or fifth time going to Australia in my life. So it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't know if I just didn't temper myself on the flight back properly with a sleep schedule, but there's times where it's just like, I've, I've ruined myself for weeks where it's just like, I'm not hungry. I don't know what's going on. Right. It's, it's draining. I think, like, because I've talked to a lot of people, and like, when you are chasing the top sixteen, like, I think I, I don't I don't know if Finnegan Lynch was ch- chasing the top sixteen, but when I had him on the podcast, he really dove into how much he's doing full time Pokemon, how much that's taken a toll on him mentally, like, and I I, I almost, and especially like we've talked about, there's no stop, and like if you especially if you're gonna play next year, like it just never stops, and like. How much, how, when, when, when is it just not, I just don't want to do this anymore? Is this like, well, I think it's one of those things where like, I've been pretty fortunate over the past couple of years where like, um, last year around February, I spiked where I won Mexico city special event. Then I made top 32 at Australia. Then I made, um, I won Collinsville. So I put myself in February at the exact same point as it was this year, like to the day where I didn't have to fight for a top 16 slot anymore. Um, February is a good month for me in general in Pokemon. So like right now I'm looking at it that I don't really like expanded right now. I don't think I'm going to Charlotte. I don't think I'm going to Salt Lake. I'm going to Toronto cause Toronto is a 30 minute drive from my house. All right. I, um, I like the, like, cause, cause you said you're pretty much safe, you know? And yeah, like, exactly. So it's one of those things where like I found ways, I guess, to use up my bursts of last energy, I guess in February <laughs> is where my body's like calling it quits or like, that's how everything's aligned for the past a little bit. Um, the year before that, I remember it being a dogfight until the end, and it right. killed me. There was nine weeks where I wasn't home. Yeah, that's rough. Like, I was not in the country for nine weeks. Yeah, I'm like... Just traveling around between South America, special events, making sure that everything that I put out for the entire season happened, so... All right, I'm like... It's, this... it's tiresome to anyone who's looking to jump into it. Like, yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It's also financially straining. Yes. Like, people look at it and be... I like I just won 5k at Australia. That 5k is not a real 5k. No. Anyone who thinks it's a, it's taxed 30% for me because I'm not American. That's true. Automatically. So I lose 30% right at the gates and it's just like that's awesome when you factor in my flights, when you factor in um 
cost of living in general. Like, yeah. I bought myself a shiny new iPhone. That's awesome. That that was my bonus for doing well. And then, like, I did grocery shopping. Right. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where, like, you can't pay for your travel for an entire season off of even, like, one strong performance. You can't zero out your bank account every single time. Like, you got to balance it, and you have to have a bankroll at some point. Right. And, like, obviously, you do Pokemon full-time, so you're not living off. If you if you go on a bad streak, you're not homeless, you know? No, exactly. That, I don't. I definitely aspire. don't want to be homeless because if I, I I didn't make top eight at a regional exactly. or something like that, but, which that's a lot of the memes. Like, it, it's not it's not going to work out, right? You cannot make money exclusively off of Pokemon winnings. Yes, exactly. So I mean, obviously, and that's like we circle right back to your sponsorship and shit. That's where it comes in. It's like if you're going to do this full time, obviously everyone can look at this game and understand that. Unless you're winning every fucking regional, even then, like... Well, the thing is, too, like, I think if we look... If you scroll through Limitless, some of the top performers in the game have been, like, Danny Altavilla, Tord Reklev, whatever. I think the top most earnings is probably around $60,000 in the past three years. Yeah, yeah. If anyone is living where they could live off $60,000 in three years and travel, like, travel across the entire world Mm -hmm. with that money and survive... You're either living in Kansas City in a cardboard box, <laughs> exactly, or you are literally like you have to be making more money. Yeah, that's where that's where all the memes come. You know, like people understand that, but you, that's why if you're gonna do it, in which a lot of players do full time Pokemon, that they, they they know they know what they're doing. They're not uh, they're not fucking stupid. Like if you lose three tournaments, you're not homeless. You know. Exactly. No, it's no. it's for me. I, I don't include any Pokemon winnings at all. <laughs> Smart. It's a, it's a nice like polish to my yearly income. Uh, for sure, I treat it as I bonus myself out. Yes. Um. All right. Before I completely wrap this up, um, what's that? What's your end goal here? Is this? Is you're just going for the ride right now? Um, when worlds just hang this up, or are we just riding this out for ever? Uh, <laughs> you want to know what I, I I've thought of it many times where it's just like I've been playing this game forever. Like I'm 28, I look at it where it's like there's not that many players that are of my age. Um, I think it's me and Pram, and there's a few select few up there, but like yeah. especially at this level, like I am not 20 years old. These people who are going through their party days and living it through Pokemon are one of those things where it's like I've had those days. I have a bad back. I am like <laughs> getting old AF. Um. I, I've thought about quitting after like some big performances, but like the way that the game forces you to play every single week in succession, like even if I were to quit the game at like, let's say Collinsville was my number one, or even let's say Australia was my best performance I've had to date. Mm-hmm. I can't just like leave at that point because it's like, Oh, there's the stipend to go to Berlin. Oh, there's this coming up next where it's just like the opportunities that come from success in this game. And like, who wants to be the person who leaves at the absolute bottom? So for me, I'm going to make a formulated decision based off how Pokemon grows over the next three to five years to really to see if there's something that I want, unless there's some other opportunity that comes up in my life. I'm not 100% attached to Pokemon itself. I like having the freedom that I do with the kind of career path I've caved, like carved out for myself. So really just seeing how it goes for this season, I'm really going to go focus more on standard events. Um, you could, don't quote me entirely on that. <laughs> I might just go to Charlotte for fun. Right. Um, but it's one of those things where it's just like, 
I, I'm not entirely sure where this year is going to take me. Um, but uh, I guess I for sure I'm going to be at Toronto Regionals. Then I'm going to be going to Berlin. I'm not going to miss any internationals until I decide to not play this game anymore. That's what's up. Okay. Um, yeah, I think you got a, a, a good story. I think you, you, you got your shit together um, when it comes to Pokemon and whatnot. Um, yeah. Uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, where where do people follow you? Uh, what's what's on your what's on your uh, okay? Here's, your here's, here's for the thousand list that everyone uh, <laughs> got the hashtags and all that stuff uh, going. I actually was joking around at a cup where I could be like, I saw what was it? I think Wolf Blake was on the VGC stream and he had the Geico thing there, and I was like, hashtags use Geico save fifteen percent because I could just add that to the other savings. Right. Um, okay, so you can follow me on Twitter at Zlasage Pokemon. Stay up to That's date on one. what I got going on there. Uh, I post about all my articles, my world travels, lots of free deck lists, lots of free content. I create content for Rare Candy YouTube channel. Lots of great stuff going on there. Write for 60cards.net and ptcgostore.com. I am sponsored by the Upper Hands store in Mississauga, Ontario. Great store. So if you're in the area, check it out, especially if you're around for Toronto Regionals. Um, tcevolutions.com they have some great um, damage counter products um, whether you're using a GX counter or their damage counters are awesome um, what else do we got going on here <laughs> sponsored by Ultra Pro as well so I, not even that the fact that I, I'm sponsored by Ultra Pro I, I really like Eclipse's solid sleeves um, but shout out to Ultra Pro for all that just gotta go through here to make sure that uh we got we got everything going on here. Yeah. Got to go through the hashtags, and that that's generally it. Um, beyond that, I, I don't really stream too much on Twitch, more just YouTube. But you can follow me at uh, Zlasage Pokemon as well on there. Um, I stream like twice a year right now. So dope, dope, dope. That's what we got. Yeah, I I really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, but uh, for now, guys, we're gonna scoop it up. Oh,